We are currently in our Thanksgiving series for 2019 called Windfall. And we've been talking about pieces of unexpected or un overlooked good fortune. Specifically in this series, we're looking at four different windfall blessings that are real, very real and, and very much from God, but we don't always recognize them as blessings. In week number one, we talked about how we are blessed with a need, and that need is for each other. I need you, you need me. Both of us need God. We need a spiritual family, a church family, a small group. We need to be able to be known and loved and vulnerable and all those kinds of things. Last week, we talked about being blessed with a burden, uh, a special call from God to serve other people who are hurting or who have needs that we can help with. And on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, we remember that one of the original purposes of Thanksgiving was to share our bounty share our overflow. Uh, that's what the first Thanksgiving was all about. God was so good and we have so much. Let's share it together. That's one of the reasons that we do the Man of Food project on uh, this particular Sunday. We got another project we're going to do for Christmas, another one in January, another one in February, and hopefully after that we're going to just continually have, have some project, something that we're working on to help others. But we need to be practice, practicing this, uh, this thing of sharing because we are, the title of today's sermon and some, uh, uh, a phrase we've used around here a lot, we are blessed to be a blessing. Our life on this planet is about being a blessing to other people. What, we could go back a little bit before that. Our life on this planet is, first of all, the opportunity that we have to prepare for eternity. Uh, our life on this planet is the time when we can realize that we are sinners without a savior, and Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, that by trusting in him, we can have the gift of eternal life. It's not anything good that we do because we can't be good enough, but on this planet, our life on this planet, first of all, is the opportunity to prepare for eternity. And then after that, uh, you know, I, I would think if that was our only purpose for being here, what would it be like? You know, I could bow my head and receive Christ as my Savior, and when I opened my eyes, I'd be in heaven, right? I mean, zoom, by God just zoomed me up. If that was my only purpose for being here was to trust him. But there's got to be more to it than that. And so he leaves us on this earth for a reason. In all of its brokenness, with its heartache and its disappointments and its sadnesses, along with loving relationships and Sunday afternoon golf and all the good stuff, you know, that, uh, that we do. But he lives, leaves us on this earth with all its brokenness, so that we can serve him by serving others, beginning with our own families. In every way, each of us are here for the purpose of blessing others, being blessed by God so that we can bless others. Now, here's some things you already know. Everything we have comes from God. If it's good, it came from God. Our stuff, our intelligence, our physical abilities, our talents, our opportunities, everything comes from God. Now, we don't have equal amounts of these things. I watched a little bit, not a lot. I watched a little bit of college football yesterday, and I said, I could never do that. I could never do what those guys are doing uh, on that football field. Now, I probably could have done more than I did, but we have different amounts of different things. But here's what I know about every person in this room, and it's the main thought that I want you to take home with you today, and it's this. God is your provider and you have more than enough. 
God is the one that supplies everything you have. And, and we have different amounts of stuff and talent and ability and so forth. But God is your provider and you have more than enough. More than enough money, more than enough food, more than enough shelter, more than enough clothing, more than enough opportunities, more than enough. Now, you may be overextended because you bought too much house. You may be overextended because you bought too much car or something else, but you have more than enough. God is taking care of you. Each one of us, everybody in this room, we're in the top few percent of people in the entire world when it comes to money and luxury. We live well. We have a place with, with a roof over our heads. We have food on our table. We're going to eat a bunch of it right after church this morning. And as we address the fact that we are blessed to be a blessing, I want to give you a couple things to consider. Here's the first one. Whatever God gives us, he gives us to share with others or to serve others. That doesn't mean that we have to give away all of our time and all of our talent and all of our treasure because God gives it to us to enjoy as well. Now, I'm not talking about the, redist the forced redistribution of wealth on the planet, but blessing others with what God has given us is what life is all about. Say, say boy, God is so good to me and he's done so many things for me and I appreciate it and I enjoy it and I want somebody else to enjoy it with me. Save for retirement, but don't think that's going to make you happy because it won't. Get a raise, get a better job, buy a bigger house, that's all great, but don't think those things are going to make you happy because they won't. Serving God by serving others, beginning with our own families, is where contentment and fulfillment is found on this planet and no place else. We receive Christ as our Savior, and then we begin to serve others, serve God by serving others, beginning with our own family. And you go through scripture, you find that's what it's all about from the beginning to the end. When God called Abraham, remember that guy named Abraham uh, who was the father, father of the Arab nations and the father of the Israelite nation. But when God called Abram, way back near the beginning of scripture, he did it so that he could bless all the peoples on earth through Abram. That's a quotation, to bless all the peoples on earth through Abram. It wasn't about making Abram rich, although he did, and making Abram powerful, although he was, and making great nations from him, although he did that, but it was all about blessing everybody on the earth through Abram. Blessing others is what the whole love thing is about, and we talk about it around here all the time. Jesus said this in John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. The whole love thing is all about sharing with each other, being a blessing. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So he says, love one another. And then throughout scriptures, he says things, he says, be devoted to one another, honor one another, accept one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, put up with one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, consider one another. My life is not just about me, it's about you. Also, Paul wrote that love for others is what gives everything else on this planet meaning. Now that, the, the great love dissertation, the great love chapter in the Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and here's how Paul begins 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, if I speak every language that's spoken in heaven and spoken on earth, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He, he says, 
Uh, I'm just a lot of noise without any meaning if I do all that without love. Verse two, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, I understand everything in the universe. And if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. Verse three, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I am nothing. He pretty much covers everything there, doesn't he? And he says, if love isn't at the heart of all of it, it's a zero. Uh, uh, in, in another chapter, Paul says, God comforts me so that I can comfort others. If God comforts me, it makes me feel good and fulfilled, but so I can help others. The first church in Jerusalem went so far as to sell some of their stuff to help others. Jesus taught that the way we value our stuff is a barometer of our spiritual condition. In fact, stuff or money or, or wealth is the main competition for God in our lives. Here's what Jesus said in Luke's gospel, chapter 16, verse 10. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And this is a general principle, right? And whoever is dishonest with very little, you don't want to trust him with a lot, right? He will also be dishonest with much. Verse 11, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, what is worldly wealth? Stuff, all your stuff, your wealth, a little bit, a lot, whatever it is. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches, God's stuff? Verse 12. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And then in verse 13, he says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word money is kind of interesting. In the Greek, it's, it's mammonas. Uh, King James Version says mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. It's just talking about stuff or wealth, or everything it, that you have in life, you can't serve God in that. You can't trust in God in that. The writer of the book of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 13, 16, and, and do not forget, here's what's important, do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So as we think about being blessed to be a blessing, the first thought that I want you to have is this, whatever God gives us, he gives us to share with others and to serve others. Now, the second thought has to do with this, how God expects us to deal with our, our more than enough. <clears throat> now, uh, I say again, we're a wealthy nation. I don't care if you're at the top of the heap or the bottom of the heap in this nation, we are a wealthy nation. And when I talk about our more than enough, I'm referring back to that phrase that I said I want you to remember, here it is again. God is our provider and you have more than enough. And so we're talking about how God expects us to deal with our, our more than enough that we, that we have. Uh, we know we're gonna eat. We know we have a house to live in. We know we have clothes. We know we have clean water that we're gonna bathe in. We don't only drink in it, we bathe in the stuff. Paul, but Paul the apostle has an interesting thing to say about our more than enough in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The first, first part of that chapter, he spoke to those who didn't have much, but thought that if they just had more, uh, it would be the answer to all their problems. He talks to them as a group of people who think that godliness is a means to financial gain, quotation. Uh, if, 
if I'm just close to God, he'll give me a bunch of stuff. But here's what he, he says to those people in 1 Timothy 6, 6. Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There, that's the gain. The godliness is the gain. It's not the stuff. The godliness and being satisfied with what God gives us, that's the real gain. Contentment is that inner God-given sufficiency that doesn't depend on, I have to have this amount of stuff in order to be happy. Verse seven, for we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. Now, I've often said, we're gonna read the scripture that says it in a minute. You can send it on ahead, but you just can't take it with you, right? Verse eight, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Verse nine says, those who want to get rich, that is those who make getting money the most important thing in life and focus their life on getting money stuff. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Four, verse 10 says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money, money's not evil, stuff's not evil, but, but when we love it above all else, when we trust in it, that's where the evil comes in. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. They, they, they've destroyed their heart pursuing money. And then Paul addresses those that had more than enough and instructed them, what, that, what should my attitude be towards my more than enough? And so here's verse 17, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present world, those that have more than enough, First of all, not to be arrogant. That is, don't think that, that you did that all by yourself. Realize that's a blessing from God. And don't think it makes you better than somebody who has less stuff than you have. Because you're not. And it doesn't make you any better. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. The greatest temptation for those of us who have more than enough is that we will trust in stuff rather than in God. And we're so interested in maintaining our stuff that we can't share our stuff with other people and we can't, and, and we can't trust in God because we think our stuff and our plans are what take care of us. Beginning of, the, of uh, that 17th verse again. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Notice this, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's a good thing to enjoy the stuff that God gives you. You don't have to feel guilty about enjoying the stuff that God gives you. Just realize it comes from him and, and share. You know, use it, have, you'll have a lot more fun with it by sharing it with others than you will by keeping it all for yourself. The next verse explains it, verse 18. Command them, that is, those that have more than enough, command them to do good, right? to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, generous and willing to share. In this way, verse 19 says they will, how can you send it on ahead? In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, for the next life, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. How can you send it on ahead? By using it to serve God, by serving others, by sharing it 
with people by enjoying it with others. Giving, not getting, is what gives life true meaning and what helps us connect with Jesus and eternal life and his sacrifice for us. No, giving doesn't take you to heaven. I'm not saying that at all. But it helps you to live what you really say you believe. Whatever God gives us, he gives us to share with others and to serve with others. And this is how how God expects us to deal with our, our more than enough. He expects us to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And it's really an investment in eternity. And one more thing, this has to do with how God blesses us to give. How does God want, he blesses us with stuff. How does he want us to return that stuff or to give that stuff? Well, number one, we're blessed to give joyfully, right? Paul wrote the following to the church in Corinth about an offering they were receiving at church for the poor saints in Judea. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, remember this. This is, a, this is a general principle. Whoever sows sparingly will reap also sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So if you have some seeds, farmer, and you eat most of it and you just plant a little of it, you're not going to get much back. But if you have some seeds and you eat a little of it and you plant most of it, you're going to get a lot back. Each of you, verse 7, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not not, not, I don't really want to, and not because somebody's putting the thumb screws on you, for God loves a cheerful giver. God prizes not the size of the gift, but the giver's sincerity, not reluctantly or under compulsion, compulsion and his cheerful willingness, giving to others, sharing with others is the greatest blessing on this planet. Doing stuff for other people. You know, there's a commercial, I probably referred to this because it hit home with me, about a grandfather, and he's been saving all of his life, and he's got this classic car he wants to buy, you know. And I don't remember what it was. It doesn't make any difference. But, uh, but then he realizes that his oldest grandchild, his granddaughter, is old enough for a car, and he buys a car for her instead of buying the classic car for himself. And that becomes his dream. No longer is it the little red sports car. Now it's, the, it's being able to hand the keys to his grandchild. That ain't going to happen, Connor, so I'll just let you know, let, let you know ahead of time. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. Giving to others, sharing with others, that's, that's where the blessings are. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I want to say this to you. If you wait until you have all the time, all the money that you think you need, you will never share any of it. If you think, well, once I get it all together for me, then I'm going to share with others. You you never will, because you don't ever get there. You never get enough. Give like it doesn't belong to you, because it doesn't. I'm going to tell you a story here. I read this story, and uh, if I was preaching, I wouldn't be able to say this, but this other preacher did, and I found it really interesting. So I, I, this doesn't apply to you. I'm, I'm not, I don't have anybody, this doesn't apply to you. It's just a, just a fun story. But reading a, a pastor who was preaching on this subject, and uh, he told a story about how that when he was growing up in church, they had junior ushers. And so on the Sundays when he was a junior usher, they would go around, you know, receive the offering, 
and then they would take the offering to the office to turn it over to the counters and so forth. And he said, the great thing about Junior Usher Sunday is that they got to skip the sermon. They'd all go across the street and get ice cream. And they'd have to listen to that pastor uh, preach the sermon. Uh, and he said, sometimes, though, sometimes he didn't have any money to buy ice cream. So he just lift a dollar out of the offering. <laughs> Nobody's going to miss it. It's only a dollar, right? And he'd buy ice cream with stolen money stolen from God. And, uh, and, and his comment was, I bet you all think, oh, I'm going to get out of here. Lightning's going to strike because I was stealing money from God to buy ice cream. And this doesn't apply to you at all. I know it doesn't, it doesn't, but I'm just going to tell the rest of the story. And he said to his congregation, some of you are driving stolen cars because you took money that should have been shared with others and you bought some of you are living in stolen houses because you took money that should have been shared with others. Now, I know that doesn't apply to you. I just tell them a story. You know, I, I would never have the nerve to say anything like that, but, but he did anyway. So we're blessed to give joyfully. Number two, we're blessed to give extravagantly. Not long before Jesus was betrayed and crucified, here's what happened in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 3. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. John, in his account of this, says that this woman is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And she had this stone jar, and it would have had a little uh, slender top on it that was sealed, made together and sealed. And inside of it, about a pint of super expensive, sweet-smelling stuff that, not necessarily what you'd put behind your ears, but, you know, uh, stuff for making things smell better. And she came and she broke the top off that and poured it on Jesus. Uh, verse 4 says, some of those present were saying indignantly to, the, to one another, why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly, led by Judas, according to John, who carried the bag and stole from the bag to buy his ice cream. Uh, led by Judas Iscariot, they were indignant. This money, she's pouring this out. We could sell that more than a year's wages. And think of how many poor people could have eaten because of that. But Jesus set them straight about her extravagant generosity uh, and said, she is doing this because she's anointing me. She is aware of the fact that I'm getting ready to die. And she is doing something special for me. You can still help the poor. The poor are still there and you can still go out and help them. Sometimes God may call on us to give something or give something in some way that others might consider extravagant. Don't make it all about yourself if you do that, though. Make it all about Jesus because it is not about you. So we are blessed to give joyfully. We are blessed to give extravagantly. And one more thing, we're blessed to give sac sacrificially. One day Jesus entered, he was in a, the court called the court of the Gentiles, and he went for, from the court of the Gentiles to a place where Gentiles could not go, only Jewish people. It's called the court of the women. And in the court of the women, over against the wall, there were 13 trumpet-shaped 
collection receptacles. We got the little black box in the back, you know, but they had 13 trumpet-shaped collection receptacles. As I read about that, I, I didn't see a picture, but I assume bigger at the top, you know, to catch stuff and funnel it down. And, and, and the people would come by and drop their offerings into one of those receptacles. Verse, Mark chapter 12 and verse 41 says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Verse 42, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now we grew up in church calling that the widow's mite, right? Two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. Verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. It didn't cost the rich guys much. They were putting in a lot and it would buy a lot, whatever they, they put in. Uh, but it didn't cost them much, you know. Uh, it, it, it's like the most wealthy guy in the world giving away a million dollars. It doesn't hurt him any. He didn't even know it's gone. It's nothing to him or her. But to this widow, all she had in the world were these two little copper coins. And it cost her everything. It cost her tomorrow's food. It cost her whatever she had planned. The principle is simply this. Sometimes God doesn't just call us to give away our extra. He calls us to give away stuff that we really could use ourselves but he wants us to trust him. And so he asks us to give and share what I feel like I really need for my self. Sometimes we need to give more than just what's extra. Christians, God wants you to give joyfully, to give extravagantly, to give sacrificially. Giving is not option optional. Sharing with others is not uh, optional. We are blessed to be a blessing, and if we expect to be blessed, we need to be a blessing. You know, otherwise, God's got no reason for blessing us if we just soak it all in and keep it all for ourselves. Church members, you must give through your church, first of all, and before everything else. It's God's institution on earth. All the giving recorded in the New Testament is through a church. I'm not saying you can't give other ways, but all they're giving in the New Testament is through a church. God wants us to be generous. That doesn't mean you can't buy a new car. I didn't mean that by the statement I made a while ago. Doesn't mean you can't buy a house, upgrade. Doesn't mean you can't buy a new shirt or a new suit or a new pair of shoes. No, I, that doesn't mean any of that kinds of things. It doesn't mean that well, if I pay more than this for something, I, I, you know, I've gone too far. No, there's no dollar amount that we're sitting on anything. What it means is that we must be generous based on what God has done for us. And what's generous for me is, you know, might not be generous for you. And, and the other way around, we should be generous. Remember this, first, middle, and last, remember this. God is your provider and you have more than enough. I, I know sometimes we feel like we don't. I do too. Uh, I feel the same way. Sometimes we feel like, but, but we have more than enough. God's taking care of us. He took care of us yesterday. 
taking care of us today. He'll take care of us tomorrow. God takes care of us, and we have more than enough. We're blessed to have been born in the United States of America. Pensacola, I'm born here, but we live here, wow. We're just a few miles from the beach. Hardly gets any better than what we have. God's taking care of us. We have more than enough, and, and he expects us to use that in serving him by serving others. And we can start by those who are closest and most dependent on us, our family. Let's pray. Father, I know you're here, and I thank you. And um, I certainly didn't mean to make anybody think that uh, you know, that I think there are less people or anything of that nature, but I know that we all need to be called to be generous. And that's what you are. That's what you were. That's, that's what brought Jesus to the earth to pay the price for our sins is, is your generosity. You guide us in loving others, loving you and loving others so much that we just can't help ourselves but to do what we can to help them. In Jesus' name, amen.